in the United States is drug abuse. Oh, I know. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time to go outside in the spring when when the sun is shining and it's like 55 degrees, but it feels 80 because it because of the long wind. Yes. But uh, welcome, friends, to the podcast. It's the Daily Attic with your boy Tim and your boy Dave. What's up? Live in studio. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk. We have a special guest on the show. Or we can't be. We can't be live in studio. No, we are live in the studio right now. They're not going to hear it live in the studio. Right till after the <laughs> the lockdown. I get it. We've been doing. We've been doing a lot of live shows, and right. I'm high as shit today. Breaking so, the law. That, that's okay. Yeah, that's what happens. But um, okay. So, yeah. So am I. Yeah. I'll admit it. So well, am I. I was nervous. Um, Tina, uh, Tina Reichert, uh, welcome to the show. We, we're, we have a story. It's a compelling story to tell uh, about your son Thank who got you. wrapped up in this drug war over cannabis. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to um, remind all of our listeners that, that listen to us on the different formats, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, whatever. Please go down there, give us a good rating, share this episode, because when you share this story, you're going to want to share this story, first of all. And that's what we need out there. We need some activism. So all our dappers, yeah. you know, we need to get your back on this one. So welcome to the show, Tina. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it's nice to finally meet you. We've kind of been messaging back and forth uh, to this point. You've been telling us about some of the stuff that you've experienced or that your son went through as a direct yeah. result of this drug war, particularly on cannabis, which right now there's, um, you know, so much being trying to be done to get these, these ignorant laws changed just mm -hmm. because they're, you know, not, they're not only are they unfair, but they're just a human tragedy. So uh, terrible. Um, and you, so just go ahead, just tell us how this kind of started, how you, you know, just start from the beginning a little bit for okay. us and let us, paint us a picture of how this got started okay i'll try to do this as shortly as i as i can i'm a single mother i raise my children alone i have a daughter um that's four years older than my son my son turns 28 on the 23rd this month and um we relied on each other heavily because it was the three of us and my son, I live in Southern Illinois, and my son worked for a national tree company. First started in Montana, took a um, transfer to Northern California. Didn't like it, so talked to his old boss in Montana. This was in June 2016, and was gonna transfer back to Montana January. 2017. So fast forward, I'm in Illinois. Unfortunately, my mother has health issues and has to be moved into a nursing home. And I have a grandson that's sick and was having his sixth brain surgery at St. Louis Children's Hospital, my daughter's son. Wow. So yeah, Christian drives 30 hours from Northern California, shows up at St. Louis Children's Hospital on June 7th, the day of surgery for my grandson, and surprised us. We cried. We couldn't believe it. We were just 
overjoyed. And he let us know the good news. I'm staying for a while. I took a voluntary layoff with the company and I get to go back to Montana, January, 2017. He had saved some money and he was also here to help me. Like I said, with my mom, he came prepared and rented a house out by the lake to live in while he was here. And he was, had just turned 24 at that time because it's June 2016 and he had turned 24 April 2016. So he runs into an old friend that he ends up doing a couple of favors for one being his friend offered for him asked him to ride out to Oregon with him. I'm not going to pretend my son's an angel. Right. He's young and dumb. Let's put it, you know, just young and people, young people make mistakes. You know, yes. we all go through those growing pains. Yes, exactly. And some are more fortunate than others and, and get away with things. But these laws, these minimum mandatory sentences are robbing us of our youth. And these, you know, 20 plus year sentences, I don't know what they're expecting to create or what they want these young men to come out and be because it's not going to happen and they're not going to be rehabilitated in prison. You know, if anything, they're going to be worse. They're living with some violent criminals, you know? Yeah. And they have to learn to survive. My son has no priors, had never been in trouble, but made the foolish decision of riding with his friend to Oregon. His friend's picking up some pot. My son is a he thinks there's not much wrong with smoking marijuana and he's, I'll be prob- honest. he's a very wise uh man for being so right. young yeah he would he would rather that than drink you know which, it, which is another good decision because i can tell right. you alcohol is probably the most dangerous of all drugs and I, there's stats to back that up but yeah yeah his father was an alcoholic and so but now while he was working for the company, he was drug tested constantly. So he couldn't, he couldn't smoke. Right. He took you care know, of business. Even if he, wanted. he took right. care of business though. Yeah. But while he was on his little hiatus from work and helping us out here, you know, I'm sure he partook with his friends, you know, when it was presented itself, you know, but he, he rode to Oregon with his friend. They came back and he, let his friend store some items in his garage, some expensive items, a Jeep, a big fancy turn lawnmower, um, a safe. And there were some other pretty valuable, a four wheeler, a four wheeler. And along with some marijuana was left in the garage. So anyway, that was the end of my son's part at that point. You know, he rode with his friend, came back, and that was the end of it. Right. He didn't gain anything financially. So his friend goes on about his normal business and distributes this marijuana to Jackson County or has some guy in this conspiracy that distributes it for him. 
who ends up in turn with two other friends of his rips the guy off that my son knows for $50,000 worth of marijuana or money, whichever. Mm. So my son's friend calls some guys he knows in Kansas that he's done time with because everyone in the conspiracy has a rap sheet or has been to prison other than my son. My son was the only one. My son only knew three of the boys because they were local. The other co-conspirators, my son did not know, had never met. And so Brandon, one of the conspiracy, the guys charged in the conspiracy that my son had rode with to Oregon, calls his friends from Kansas that he's done time with and wants his money back. So these four guys from Kansas drive over and they drive over to Jackson County and they're looking for the people that ripped Brandon off. So then Brandon asked my son to pick up a car for him. He has the money dropped off to my son. My son goes and picks up a car that's for sale for 2500 That's in great shape. My son drops it off to him, and that's the end of my son's role right there. So that car ended up being used in a crime in Jackson County by these guys from Kansas. Oh. They went on a shooting spree. And then they got into a high-speed chase with a police officer. Jesus. And they fired on the police officer, striking the police officer. And thankfully, he survived, but he lost his he lost an eye. And he was a young officer. He was 26. So these guys flee and go back to Kansas. And the prosecutor in Kansas tries to charge them with conspiracy um, to commit capital murder because they planned to come over to retaliate for Brandon. So Jackson County, Illinois would not cooperate with Kansas and they were holding out. They wanted to get them for themselves, you know, So she had to let them go in Kansas, these Kansas guys that had come over and and, and did these acts of violence, and thankfully no one died. But she had to just kind of release them but leave the charges open. So she released the guys that that came over, the guys from Kansas that came over to do, you know, collect the money. That was over yeah. or whatever. They end up shooting the cop, and then the prosecutor mm-hmm. in Kansas said, "We can't hold them." Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus! Yeah, this is all so fucked she, up. Yeah, she releases. She has to release them because Jackson County, Illinois, the state attorney Mike Carr would not cooperate with her. He's a former federal prosecutor of thirty-two years, and he's a very controversial state attorney. What what is, what is his name? Back up a second. What's his name? Mike Carr, C-A-R-R. And there are multiple cases over there of 
there's unsolved murders. There's he's a very controversial man. What what where is he the prosecutor at? What town? Uh, what county? Or in uh, Murfreesboro, Illinois, Jackson County, Illinois. And it was weird, you know, which a conspiracy is so wide open. You don't have to know everyone in the conspiracy. It doesn't matter at what point you join the conspiracy or enter the conspiracy. And if a young person, they don't look at law books like, what time am I going to get for riding with my buddy where he can pick up his weed, which is legal in multiple states. Right. And most of the ones they drove through. Yeah. And it's, it was medically legal in Illinois and it's recreationally legal in Illinois. That's, the, and that's, my, that's what kills me right now is that, you know, your son's sitting there doing time in Illinois state prison for something that's legal to buy now. Right. And he had a two and a half million dollar bond no priors two and a half million dollar bond set in county jackson county jail two and a half years awaiting trial wow yeah so he's been incarcerated no speedy trial at all then no (laughs) no 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 wow what a what a what an awful story um you know and it's but don't give up the fight don't give up the fight i know there's it just seems like uh this might be one of the most uncovered uh I'm talking about media wise mm-hmm. stories of the drug war that I've ever seen because it's very hard. All I'm finding is old articles on it and there's nobody fighting for you guys. There's nobody in the no media, one. there's nobody anywhere. So I wanted to, you know, when we're when we're done with this podcast, I'm gonna send you a bunch of resources here. I don't know if you've I'll just ask you if you've gotten with any of them. Um, we have the uh, International Drug Policy uh, Consortium. That's no, a, that's I'm, one. I, I, ha- I haven't. And, and I've reached out to a lot of people to no avail, unfortunately. Right. A lot of people don't want to get involved. You and, know, it's, it's, a very, the- it's a very hard subject to get people to get people energized about it's and a this, very, this case is pretty complex too so people are probably trying to back away from it right, a little yeah, bit yeah yeah but, but it all makes sense complex. but it all makes sense and this is one thing that this is the main problem with the whole story is that you have prosecutors that are in cahoots with the law enforcement and all they're trying mm-hmm. to do is get the conviction and they're not yeah. they're not bound by law to release all of the evidence to the defense so really they have an unfair advantage. They, they pick what the jury sees basically in most, you know, most times. So even though you could have had a very good defense lawyer, um, sometimes they're up against the wall automatically on drug law because basically with any law, we, we just had an attorney on our podcast, uh, last weekend, Ron Chapman. And he, he even though he's a healthcare attorney, mm-hmm. he, he used to be a prosecuting attorney. And now he's a defense attorney and he knows that. And that's one of the reasons I think he kind of switched over was there's an unfair advantage to the prosecution. And there's something, you know, when the law enforcement and prosecution work together, Mm -hmm. it's an unfair advantage as well because they give them, you know, what they need. It was unbelievable at sentencing, you know, people from the community that have known my son since he was a baby you know, got up to speak about him 
And I was verbally attacked on the stand by the state's attorney, Mike Carr. And that's something you don't normally see at sentencing. The jury's gone. He has no one to impress. But he was going to have a detective get up on the stand and testify and say that I said something when I was interviewed at the the day my son was arrested, August 2nd, 2016, and he's been incarcerated since. They said that I said something, and I don't know what difference that made, even if I would have said it, but I don't know what I supposedly said, but he had a detective going to get up and commit perjury because, first of all, during my interview, I knew the two detectives that interviewed me. This was a small community. And I signed a piece of paper allowing them to video and audio my interview. This detective that he had getting on the stand, I had never met. I'd never spoken to. So I tell him while I'm on the stand in front of the judge, you're a liar. I don't even know this detective. And if you'll remember, I've signed the paper. Everything I said is on video and audio. So I cannot believe you would let your own detective get up here and commit perjury at sentencing. And I'm a character reference, you know, for my son. And needless to say, the judge did not let the detective get up there because he knew I was telling the truth. You know, my interview was on video and audio. I didn't know this detective. So it was very shady antics all along. They let the police officer testify at my son's trial and my son wasn't charged with any violence, anything to do with shooting the officer. It was proven he wasn't even in the county at the time. But the judge allowed it, even though we asked them, we filed a motion to stop it. So you have this police officer telling what happened, you know, to him at my son's trial. And he's not charged with it. But to the jury... It's very one-sided. Right, yeah. Why, said, why is he even testifying? It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with the drugs being in the... So, you know, the problem is the drugs were in his uh, rented house, right? In, yes, in the garage in a or different whatever. county. But yes, in a different county. It's, it's just unbelievable that um, all these... So what, so what did your defense do about that? What did they do to counter that? Did they have... Um, the, the, we went through two attorneys, the first attorney I hired, you know, there was a falling out. He kind of misled us, I felt. And then the second attorney didn't have much time to prepare, filed a motion for an, you know, 90 days to get more prepared for the case. The judge denied it and gave him 30 and so he admitted to ineffective counsel. Right. I, I bet you in the transcript, there's maybe two objections. Not one witness was put on the stand in my son's defense, not one. And then the, the witnesses from the state, not one of them knew my son. They didn't know my son. That's crazy. They couldn't say one bad thing about him. They couldn't say they had ever seen him distribute anything or, you know, none of that was ever proven. There was no money. There was no paper trail. There was, you know, he didn't make any money. He did his friend a couple of favors. He was an idiot. 
for doing it. Right. Let's be honest that he was young, naive, and to get 23 years and the, and the state's attorney asked for 40 years. Jesus. For and the weed. judge gave him 23. Yes. And, and even while the police officer was, you know, on the scene at my son's trial, he couldn't say anything bad about my son. All he did was talk about what happened to him that night. And they showed his dashboard cam, which had nothing to do with my son because he wasn't there. You know, so it was just, well, they, they just the wanted to, what happened. They just wanted to make his character look bad. Yeah. They played on the jury's sympathy yep. and, you know, like, look, this is the kind of people this, this kid associates with, even though my son didn't know the majority of the people in this conspiracy. And so one of the guys that's in charge of the conspiracy testifies for the state. He gets up there. He doesn't know my son at all, so he can't say anything bad or that he's done business with him. He just tells how the operation went, what he was making a week. And our lawyer asked him, how did you pay your $37,000 drug fine? And he says right there, buy some drugs I sold and a few cars that I traded. And my mouth dropped because I thought how unethical the state's attorney hurried over that real quick, you know, to get away from that question our lawyer had just asked because it was embarrassing to him, I'm sure. Drug money is supposed to be seized. How can you admit in court that you paid your fine with drug money you earned? Right. And the state's attorney, no one has a problem with it. You know, it was very bizarre. So it, let me let me ask quick. What did um what did Brandon get out of the deal? What did what did he ended up getting? Uh, one, Brandon once, he got eighteen years on one charge and fifteen, I believe, on the second charge because they were both charged with marijuana conspiracy with intent to distribute and trafficking. So Brandon. Even though the state's witnesses said Brandon was the biggest, you know, the leader of this conspiracy and that they had been watching these guys for a couple of years. My son didn't even live here. He was in Montana and then California. Wasn't even living here while those guys were watched. He was literally in Illinois six and a half weeks. My house was raided on August 2nd. They raided my home, three law enforcement agencies, an armored truck, and a robot, officers everywhere. I come out at gunpoint in my nightgown. It's in the morning. You know. It's like they're trying to arrest El Chapo or something. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was like overkill. Even one of the newspapers that reported mentioned the overkill on on that because that's something that's just not seen in our area it's population 17,000 you know in Marion and that's where I was living when this occurred and so it was it was intense and scary and I've never been in trouble my son had never been in trouble you know it it was it was like something you see off of the movie this is this is something that we cover a lot um unfortunately that's 
one of the things that uh, is wrong with this is the the mandatory sentencing. Um, that's why I'm not a fan of Joe Biden at all because he was the head of the Senate when they came up with all these mm-hmm. outrageous laws. And Obama tried to fix that a little bit, but he didn't do a very good job. And really, with with the laws as strict as they are, for especially for marijuana, mm-hmm. it seems that you know they could go a longer way uh, by having an alternative uh, punishment. Because even even though you said you know my son re- realized he there was a law there, it was broken, whatever. But the laws mm-hmm. are unjust. The sentencing is un- right. is not fair. It is just it's, it's horrible. And listening to your story, I mean, I'm compelled. We're compelled here to help you out any way we can because it's a, it's an exact. Um, you know, if we had a story to tell from our aspect as far as what we're trying to accomplish, these are the things that that get us there. These are the stories that get us there. We need to figure out a way to, uh, you know, take action on this. And it could happen to anyone's son or daughter. That's what's so frightening. I I want these young people to be aware of these minimum mandatory sentences, these things that you do when you're young, these mistakes you make, and you think it's no big deal. You know, it's pot, big deal. I'm riding with my friend to pick up some pot. Can land you behind bars 12 to 60 years. Yeah. You know, even though you've never been in trouble in your life other than traffic tickets, you know? Yeah. And my son is a great young man. You know, he's a hardworking young man and a huge support to me, his sister, and his grandmother, who I'm afraid by the time he finishes this sentence, she won't be here. When's his release date? December 21st, 2017 now, because he just earned some good time. It was 2028, but he earned some good time doing some classes. And so the new date is, you know, and he's already been there four years in August. So, you know, he still has several years to go. Uh, all week, and I've been watching The Innocent Files on uh, Netflix. And you see mm-hmm. you see the dirty shit that they do just to try to put somebody, just so they can put somebody to the crime so people are you know are happy and they move on. But right. it's like the and shit they another, do. It, it's, it's unbelievable. I never realized how much power a state's attorney has. You know, and we they're elected, you know, but... He makes one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars a year. Mike Carr does, and it's an elected position. Oh. And uh, this is an election year, and now due to COVID, things may be pushed back. But he does have an opponent this year. He didn't last go around, and people are fed up with him. I mean, a lady participated, had her husband murdered in Jackson County. The man dismembered her husband. Mike Carr says he won't seek more than 25 years for him. He gave her 20 years. Uh. Okay. How do you justify giving a kid that's never been in trouble for marijuana conspiracy, 23 years, but a lady that has her husband murdered and dismembered 20, you know, how do you do that? I, I don't 
where's the justice? It sounds I like it sounds I don't like get it. sounds like Mike Carr is a real asshole, and and I hope and I hope he loses. Do you know the opponent's name? Who he's going against? Yes, Joe Cervantes, and he's a great guy, ex Marine. He's compassionate. You know, he he. I mean, I'm backing his campaign because he knows even he recognizes what was done to my son. You know, most I've talked to law enforcement that recognizes it. They've told me flat out, your son was railroaded, Uh you know, and it's just, it's scary to think that that could happen to anyone's young adult kid. And I'm not saying he's an angel and I'm not saying he shouldn't get in trouble, but let the, you know, punishment fit the crime yeah and you know we all we all make decisions when we're adolescents and when when we're young adults and it's just that the drug war is the most unfair if you get caught up on the wrong side of it it can really it can really punish you for the rest of your life it'll always be on your record you have the social stigma you have when you serve time it changes you you know it's depressing you're alone and, you know, as long as, you know, people know that there's people fighting for them on the outside, I think right. that, you know, it makes it, you know, somewhat bearable, at least knowing that somebody cares. So uh, big ups to you for, you know, not giving up, tr- keeping trying to help your son out, getting the I'm story trying. out. I, I really didn't realize what a big business prison is. Oh, yeah. Until this happened. It really opens your eyes when it's your loved one. I was blind like everyone else to the judicial system. I thought it was fair and just, and, you know, people were sensible in sentencing. You know, I I had no clue what we were dealing with. And to think he asked for 40 years for my son, and to think my son could have gotten 60 for a plant that the state sells and makes money off of, you know, it just doesn't even make sense that you would keep these people with marijuana offenses in prison, especially nonviolent, you know, when you're making money off of it, you know, yeah, the state's making money off of it. Well, when the state gets a piece of anything, the state, it's okay. You know, you know, you can't gamble. We can't get together and play poker at my house. That's illegal or whatever. But you know, if the state's gambling, they, if they get their piece, they're good. You know, if they, and it's the same thing with everything. I mean, and they, they paid, we paid such a steep penalty for cannabis right now too. That's what I feel. I feel like we wanted it in there so bad and we got it, Mm -hmm. we got it medical and we got it all these different ways to get in there legally that we gave up so much. Like just for instance, here in Michigan, you have Mm -hmm. the, uh, treat marijuana, like alcohol act or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's the latest one, the Mm -hmm. recreational, but it is so much more stringent than alcohol. I mean, it's harder to get a license. It's harder to open shops. You got to have everything tested. You know, I don't think alcohol has to go away to a third party DEA registered testing facility. I really don't. I think you can, you can open a brewery and serve people, but I I don't think you have all this extra regulation and it's just, they really, we've paid the price for it already. And unfortunately, you know, there's other people paying the price soldiers that are in there that, um, shouldn't be there. They, they really shouldn't Mm -hmm. be there and be part of it. 
No, um, but there's, there's lots of these. I'm going to forward you a lot of these, uh, organizations because they work, uh, to advocate and I don't, what, well, what, let me ask you quick. What is your, uh, what's your current status right now? Do you have an appeal going? Are you guys working yes. on anything or give us a status? We do, we do have an appeal. He has filed an appeal and we're hoping that his conviction is overturned by things that were allowed, you know, at his trial that shouldn't have been allowed. And the fact that the lawyer admitted to ineffective counsel, you know, we're hoping we get that second chance, but if the same state's attorney's in there, they're going to throw it back in Jackson County court. There should have been a change of venue to start with, you know, because there was so much media attention surrounding the incident in Jackson County, you know, and they would associate my son's name with that every time they mentioned the other guys because it's a conspiracy even though my son was not there or charged with it. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, that's why he got so much time. And I'm like, no, my son was never even charged with that. You can actually get on judici.com and look at Jackson County and look at exactly what he was charged with, you know, and it gives you a lot of information, you know, about, what went on through the process, but you know, it's one-sided, of course, it's the state attorney's side, but you know, he, I've been very vocal about some cases in Jackson County that were going on long before my son got into trouble. So a lot of people thought, you know, maybe he had this vendetta with me. I don't know if you ran across some of the, the articles, you know, my son was, it, it was just such a huge story here. There was no, he was guilty before proven innocent. And you that, know, it, that's, it, that's one not, of the, yeah, I, I realized that the, the reporter there in your local town or whatever it was, is really got a vendetta against your family or something. Yes, isn't it? And yes. so it's really just, it's a, it's a matter of the media too. And that's another thing that's, uh, wrong with this drug war is the fact that they put people's faces and names out in the paper before they're actually found guilty. And yeah. uh, some other countries don't do that. Like some of the European yeah. countries like Germany, like some of these other countries are smarter about the way they do their media. They really, oh, are, yeah. they, they, they give you your privacy before you're found guilty, which I think, which takes away all the sensationalism. You know, if you don't know who it is, right away you don't know what you know it it takes all the story out of it like i I think that's what we got backwards here in the u.s is you know before somebody's found guilty before they're found innocent or whatever they get to they get to be publicly judged by everybody and i don't think that's fair for anybody either i think that's a huge disadvantage you're kind of already trying to brainwash the the future jury yeah, I'm saying, hey, here's our side, and this is what happened. So when you get to the jury stand, right, right, you kind of already know. It's a small community, yeah. so there's not a big selection of jurors that haven't already heard about it, you know. Because how long was it? it like, a, how long did it take for them to decide the jury? 
the jury. I think they spent a day and a half on that. I mean, it didn't take long. Well, day and a half and, still kind of. I mean, it's not like they immediately went in there and came out and said guilty. So, right, I mean, right. at least there was some people there. Oh, oh no, there was you some mean people as far there. as finding, no, you mean as far as finding, I'm sorry, I thought you meant choosing the jury. No, 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 how, um, how long they were out. Oh, no, 45 minutes. Really? Oh, geez. 45 so, minutes. So, they were, yeah. they already knew before the, the trial. That, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. It, it was Jesus. unbelievable. 45 minutes. I wow. mean, but like I said, with the conspiracy laws and these laws that are implemented, there's no beating a conspiracy. You know, if you're charged with a conspiracy and you know one of the people in the conspiracy, more than likely you're getting convicted, right. you know? Right. All you have to do is, you know, be associated with them, you know, and if a state's attorney has it in for you bad enough. And that's another thing. My son was penalized because he exercised his constitutional right to a trial and refuse the plea deal, and they're going to hammer you hard if you do not accept their plea deal. Right. And you take it to trial, you can guarantee you're going to get two or three times what you would, you know, you should have taken. They want you to take that plea deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And a lot of people do it, even if they're not guilty. Right. But, you know, because. There's enough evidence there, you know, to probably convict them, especially in a conspiracy, because it takes such little evidence, you know, not like I said, not one witness on, on the state side associated with my son, knew my son, you know, they didn't even know him. They had, it, it was just, it was like being in the twilight zone, honestly. Wow. You know, yeah. my son did Brandon a couple of favors and a friend, childhood friend. I used to haul Brandon and his brother to football practice in junior high. And my son is the type of friend that, you know, he's going to do you a favor. He'll give you the shirt off his back. And Brandon's also very intimidating and, and pushy and, you know, it's it's just sad that with what little he did, he got more time than anyone other than the guy from Kansas that shot a police officer. You know, so that's what kills me. I just well, Tina, it, Tina, you need to hang in there. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be a light at the end of this tunnel. I guarantee it. There's a journey for a reason, you know, and now, now you're obviously you could be a great advocate for this fight. You know, you have a big yeah. voice because you've been through it. So hopefully, right. you know, with some of these organizations, I don't know if you've been like maybe to the ACLU or there's a law enforcement, uh, enforcement action partnership. There's a drug policy Alliance. There's some of these organizations that can help that can maybe get, you know, the right paperwork in front of the governor in your state or something, or mm -hmm. try to do something else. In addition to the uh, appeal you got going on and stuff like that. Right. So, um, yeah, I'll send you some of these resources I got and uh, hook I you up with some of these it. resources and, you know, 
they're they're willing to help, but maybe they're busy. I don't know, but I'd love to follow up on the story and find out where you guys are at in the future. And uh, oh yeah, I would be happy to let you know. And like I said, I, I you know I'm going to keep fighting for him, and I'm going to do everything I can to help get these laws changed. And I also want to make sure young people know, you know how serious this can be, you know, something you think is not a big deal can take your life away. Literally, you know, it's kind of like that thing that your parents always told you when you were younger, if you're hanging out with somebody that's doing something, you're going to get a group together anyways and get the same charge. So guilty by association. It's got a association. Well, Tina, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Um, take care. We're going to be, you know, uh, this show will be out later this week so take care of yourself take care okay. of your loved ones uh, if you speak to Christian let him know you're on the Daily Attic Podcast and uh, we're you know, going to spread this out as far as we can to thousands of listeners so hopefully thank it helps thank you guys so much for listening to the story I appreciate it thanks right. for being on bless you have a good, have a good day thank you you too